This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack, Polly Cupcakes, every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at Caps Chirp. See you beauties and benders there. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Drunk Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. I'd be better with a win, but like you really can't take the excitement of hockey season being back away from just a loss, especially an OT loss. You know, like if we got like skull dragged through the entire game, probably wouldn't have been feeling so good. But like we get a point, we played well, we we got to see some new possibilities with this team. I'm I'm pretty good, you know. I'm pretty good. At, we could have got a win, I would be a lot better. But I'm not. I, I'd lie and say that I was not still excited. Oh, it was what a fucking game for starters! Like what a way to start the season. The way we played against the Leafs tonight was fucking phenomenal. I think like I expected this team to be good, but I didn't expect them to be this good and have this much chemistry already. To be honest, I really did think the Leafs were going to crush us. Like just because like this team has so many new guys, new lineups, new additions to like we had our two, two of our main lines had never played a game together. You know what I mean? Like then two of them had never been on the same team together. Like it was just, I don't know. It was kind of like a new team kind of being meshed together with all the additions that Bergevin made this off season. And, and I was pleasantly not surprised. I say shocked at the way we, performed against the Leafs especially early on coming out of the gate buzzing I can 100% agree with that um it was just electric tonight there was just a a moment you know uh something to prove um it they we just came out very I don't know we had a lot of flow that they didn't seem like there was a lot of uh mistakes too early on now granted things didn't go our way you know and at the end of the game but in the beginning of it, it just looked like if we can keep that type of pressure, that type of uh, flow that we had, I mean, this is this is a great look for this team, and this is a great positive outlook from what we saw in just one game so far. No, for sure. And I think it all started, too, with our young guys. Surprise, surprise, right? We talk about them all the time. And honestly, like I said, it's drunk. It's drunk. Habs nightly. We're both a few deep right now, and uh, I can't be bothered 
beating around the bush. Alexander fucking Romanov. <laughs> what an absolute beauty. Played 22 minutes his first NHL game. Second on the Habs. Weber was the only guy who played more than him. Um, where do you where do I even begin? Not only like we talked last episode about how I said he was kind of like a confident, cocky, like not cocky in a bad way, but like a very confident player. And holy fuck, did he want to prove me right? And there were some plays where like you can tell he's young, like on the power play that one play where he danced literally on the blue line with the puck like and was deking people and you kind of wince you're like "Uh uh-oh like if he loses that but he was so calm it worked and his fucking breakout passes just dishing them halfway across the ice one of them led to a breakaway and a goal from thomas tatar phenomenal finish five hole and i just think like you know, we saw him throw the body. He absolutely leveled Zach Hyman, I believe it was, at the Habs blue line. Uh, played really well defensively. He had one kind of gaff, but I also think that it's to be expected. Like, you know, uh, he didn't get but truthfully, it. truthfully, it's like it's a gaff. He had one giveaway, but within that, you know, he did have that one hit tonight, but he had four blocks on the evening. Um, only bested by Joel Edmondson, which I'm sure you'd, you'd love to talk about in a second. But um, <laughs> he got every – like, if there's an intro game for a guy that's not – expect, you know, like I'm not talking like a Bobby Orr, but like just a great overall game for a first-time rookie defenseman, this kid had it. This kid had offensive opportunities. He got a chance on the power play. He got his chance on the, on the PK. He played almost – you know, he's the second in minutes for defensemen. And it I mean, he like just had a his, great night. Yeah. It looked like it was his fucking fourth or fifth year out there. And he was finally entering his prime. You know what like, I mean? Like, no, absolutely. It, just, it looked like he'd been there for years. Now, like sometimes, you said, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go I was ahead. just saying what fucking rookie, especially a rookie defenseman and a rookie Habs defenseman comes out playing under Claude Julian, a veteran coach, a very conservative coach. Defensive-oriented coach. Yeah. Plays <laughs> 22 minutes, plays second PP time, and and first and second PK time. It's ridiculous. And I understand he played on the first because Weber uh, went to the box. Like, understand. Okay, makes sense. But still, Claude Julian trusted him there. Right. It, it was, that, yeah. I just like that it was, um, like it wasn't just to give him moments. Oh, I'm sorry. It wasn't just to, to see what he's capable of. Like there was a, a genuine trust in him. And what I liked about it is when you, when you know there's a brand new kid, there's, there's a rookie out on the ice, you can tend, you tend to notice them and not, not from like a really good standard. Like sometimes you notice that they just don't look like they're 100% in the game. Like they might be, you know, just, just a little off and he blended in like professionally. Like there was no moments where there was kind of like a jitter of like, Oh, it's, you know, just his first time on the ice in the NHL. No, this kid came in and just like, he was engulfed in the game and he played a very solid fucking game tonight. 
No, and I thought it was validation too that the sports net analysts who are fucking Toronto oriented, like let's be <laughs> honest, the intermission, the Habs score a late goal to make it 2-1 and we're talking about Mitch Marner's stick flex. Like I don't give a fuck what flex Mitch Marner uses, but the fact that they were baffled by Romanov too, like they genuinely seem surprised. Like they they've raved about him and said he was going to be good for a long time. And even they're out there like, wow, he looks good. And I just couldn't help myself. Like, yeah. Like the glove fits, you know, like (laughs) he is going to be a monster. And I just know like the, after the first period, I was just like 10 minutes in after his first shift, even, but let's say 10 minutes in, I was genuinely sitting there like, you know, when you're just, you're antsy, you're like a little kid. You're so excited. I was, mm-hmm. I was saying to myself, speaking out loud. Oh my God, he's so good. Oh my God. He's so good because, <laughs> and I was texting one of my buddies too. Like he's so good. And he knew exactly who I was talking about because he, he played so fucking well. And let's, you know, he could go out next game and absolutely have a shitter, but what we saw from him tonight, I think is just a sign of good things to come. And I am super excited by the play of Romanov and I'll just end, unless you want to keep talking about him or Romanov. We, we can't, we can't afford to continue to talk about him, but all I got to say is that he's got the, he's got the confidence and the prowess and I, it may be off the rails, might be a hot take, but he reminds me of, um, uh, Plecanics. Like he just looks like he knows what the fuck he's doing and he's just going to go out and play. He's not going to give you that much emotion. He just knows what he's capable of and he's going to, he's going to excel at it. He's so fucking calm. He's like carry price calm mm-hmm. too. And I was just going to say, um, I thought it was my bet. My favorite thing they said about him tonight, watching it on Sportsnet was when they asked Mark, I think it was Brian Burke said when he asked Bergevin about, the Edmondson acquisition. He said, I acquired my fifth or sixth defenseman. I already had my fourth. And he was talking about Romanoff. That's how much faith this team has in this kid. And we've been talking about it for a while, but I think now we all as fans get to see how fucking founded it was, like how justified this trust was in him. But speaking of Joel Edmondson, um, what are your thoughts on his first game? I think he played he played a fair game. Um, I know there was just browsing Twitter. There was a lot of people that were already not liking his play. Um, I, I know that this is an adjustment. Um, I mean he he was he was pivotal on a on on one of our goals late, and uh, actually it was uh, Josh Anderson's second one. Um, I mean, I don't think he played a bad game. I, I know that people, this is a community that likes to nitpick people automatically. We're not as bad as Toronto, but we do tend to take some, you know, some degrees on a player that might not be playing well. I think this is the guy who's going to get it as far as in tonight's game. But overall, like he, I think he played an average game. I don't think it was amazing. He he got, you know, roughly 18 minutes of, of uh of ice time uh just about the lowest other than uh kulak but 
he he did see a little bit of the PK as well. Um, I know he did fumble a little bit with his, his with his pucks, but all in all, I don't think it was the worst game for Joel Edmondson. I don't think it was like watching him play like fuck. Like why did we why did we take him? Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't really notice him, and you know that can be seen as a bad thing, but. When you don't notice a guy, it usually means he's not fucking up that much. I did see a few times where I was like, ugh. But I there was nothing, like, and I may have missed something, but there was nothing egregious to me. Like, like and I think, he I didn't, think it – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just mean I didn't see him totally <laughs> – <laughs> I didn't see him totally ruin a play. And, and I wasn't impressed by his play. And I think when you sign a guy for $3.5 million, I should be a little more impressed by his play, but I wasn't upset. Um, honestly, of every player dressed as a Hab tonight, I probably heard his name the least. And I don't like, there's not a play I can picture from this game. And we're recording, let me check the time about, an hour, an hour and a half after it's finished. And I, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I guess Edmondson was there. I don't, I'm still against, like, I'm still not a fan of the signing. I don't, but like. And, and that's like what a lot of people is going to take towards his gameplay is because people are going to be, you know, like not fully bitter, but there is going to be, you know, a negative taste in the back of your throat with this Edmondson signing just because of, of money. Just like you said, like you didn't really hear his name, but like, you want to be impressed with a $3.5 million guy. Yeah. And what I will say to that is like, did he impress me? No. Do I still think the signing was kind of shit? Like not shit. I, eh, I don't know. I don't like it, but I don't dislike it because of this game. This game has changed nothing for me. I disliked it before. And that's what I'm saying. To be fair to Joel Edmondson, I disliked the signing before. Nothing about his game has made me dislike it more. It's just kind of justified. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. It's one fucking game. Next game, he could go out and score two goals or something, right? And like you said, he did have a pivotal play where he got an assist. Like, he did contribute. So this game doesn't really change my opinion of him at all. I thought... Some people were criticizing him and say, oh, see, I hate him even more now. It's like the guy didn't really do anything. This is, so I don't know yeah. how. There was, there was a couple of people on this team. Um, it, it's just plain and simple. It's, it's game one. This is a crazy year just off the bat. There's still some rust on, the, on some of the guys, uh, but there was some positivity, you know, even, you know, like with Joel Edmondson, he blended in, which is perfectly fine. You don't, but at the same time for you, like, I like this. I like this pickup. Um, I think he's, you know, Romanov's going to do a lot better. He will probably see him on the second a lot more, but Joel Edmondson's a really good mesh player. He's going to mesh well on the second or third line for defense. Um, now at the same time, you don't want him to blend in too much because of that $3.5 million contract on his head that everyone's always going to bring up. But at the same time, him alongside Jeff Petrie, you're not going to see that many of his mistakes because Jeff Petrie is is such a a, a great fucking defenseman. Yeah, um, that it, actually, he kind of erases some of his 
his blunders. And I think this is a good set right now for Joel Edmondson to be alongside uh, Petrie as their dynamic. But I, I do, I will, I know for a fact, Alexander is going to get a lot more play time and we might see a, a little bit of movement, but right now with Edmondson along Petrie, it's a, it's a great look. And I actually kind of agree with exactly what you're saying. At first, when I saw Romanov as the third pairing defenseman with Kulak, I was kind of of the thought, and I think it's a very fair and justified thought process that he was being there because he was being sheltered a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, they have a lot of faith in this kid. Yeah, but and, you don't push um, him out. There's teams yeah. that push guys out, and they get fucking destroyed. There's no but reason now, to push this kid like that. He's going to push himself. You don't have to. You know? Yeah, but now I feel like they're they're sheltering Edmondson, like you said. Which they could, like but at putting the same him time. With Peach, well, I, I genuinely – and just to elaborate on this thought, cause it, just because it doesn't make sense unless I explain it. I think this team is really made, and we know this, to roll all three lines on the forwards, right? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're also made total all three defensive pairings because when I look at what happened tonight, and like I said, it is one game, okay? But we haven't had hockey in a long time. As much as I'm trying not to, I'm going to blow some of it out of proportion. Yeah, everyone's going to criticize it because, I mean, we've been sitting at home. We got a, we got a, like a cupcake, you know, taste to, you know, like a, a comparison to a giant cake. We got a cupcake that was bubble hockey, you know, like we got a taste of hockey and it was <laughs> back. So everyone's going to criticize the fuck out of any mistake, any blunder, you know. Exactly. But what I'm saying is I feel like that's what we saw tonight. Romanov played the second most of any Montreal Canadiens player. He was on the third defensive fairing. So I don't know. I just, I'm wondering if maybe they're not sheltering Romanov because you don't, you know, playing a guy on the power play and the penalty kill in his first NHL game is not sheltering him. You know what I mean? So I wonder if maybe they're sheltering Edmondson a little bit because in reality, Romanov has been with this team longer too. It's both their first games for the Habs, but Romanov was with them all last year through uh, the bubble too. That's true. And I, and I got something that'll add on to that that might just help it is that, you know, one person has to be kind of put back on the leash for Romanov to get as as, me- as much time, as, as much, you know, movement throughout, you know, the three lines as he could. So if Edmondson had to take the punch for that today, so be it, you know, because we literally, we put – Romanov, the bottom, you know, third line. You know what that proves? It says go out there and earn it. Uh, Bergevin smartest is a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. Julian's the same way, um, especially defensively. It's like we're gonna you get put here. Show us that you can move on. You know, show us that you can move up. And they kind of put put a, a you know like a top point on Edmondson. Like you're not gonna get past this. And we're going to allow Romanov to, to we're going to take him off the leash and just let him run wild. And that's why we, you know, probably got to see so many minutes, you know, so much, so much play time. And it was just to balance off Edmondson to give Romanov a little bit more wiggle room throughout the different lines. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I just don't really have a negative to say about Romanov's game. I think like he made rookie rookie moves that worked out for him. And I think because he's calm, they worked. I think down the line, we might see plays like he did on the blue line 
there that one time, which at the time I was like, fuck yeah, what a fucking good play. Way to be Romanov. But if he fucks that up, you're like, you fucking idiot. You fuck, you know what I mean? It's a 50-50 play. It goes right, yeah. you're a fucking hero. It goes wrong, you're the villain. Um, But let's but, uh, let's move on to another guy. Another we're gonna new get, addition. We're going to get stuck. We're gonna get stuck on them, right? But yeah, let's uh, let's let's the, talk about a new uh, a new addition. The fucking giant, fucking mountain of a man with rockets strapped to his ankles, Josh Anderson. It oh should be my the, His God. fucking nickname should be the answer. Like <laughs> he is so fucking fast. He's the power forward we've been looking for. He He's reminds fast me. As fuck. You can't you can't knock him off the puck. And he's got a wicked fucking fast shot. He reminds me of like a '90s, like, and I'm not comparing him to these players in terms of skill, just the style, like fucking Eric Lindros, Mario Lemieux type power. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not like nowhere in the stratosphere level of talent. I want to stress this enough. No, but playing with like, that type of grit. Yeah, when he just skates as fast as he can to the net. And then tries to tro- toe drag the puck around. And he did that a few times. He scored on it eventually. That is a move you never see in the NHL anymore. But when you look at the early 90s and uh, well, just I'd say the 90s in general, that was the move those guys did all the fucking time. And they scored a pile of points on it. When they say he's a dying breed, they mean it. Like this guy is, he's special. He's unique. There are not a lot of players in the NHL to do that. And wow, what a trade for Mark Bergman! If he can stay healthy, I'm. There like, was a there was a moment, yeah, and exactly. If he can stay healthy, like this dude is a nightmare for other teams. There was a moment where he kind of he kind of caught in a collision, and he looked a little uh, wonky on his right foot, and I immediately like my heart sunk. I was like, no, no, we can't have this happen. This dude just scored two fucking goals. Like we can't see what Josh Anderson can do and have Toronto trying to bully their way back into this game, take out, you know, this, this brand new guy we have, but um, it was nothing. Only, thank God. You know, the only issue is, and it's been mentioned enough and I'm going to knock on wood here, but uh, guys like that, they don't always last long in the NHL True, because of that play style. But saying that, I think Anderson's a guy who can adapt because speed is king in the NHL right now. And not only did he show that he fucking throws the body, that guy is a, like, I don't even know how to describe, just bouncing off everything, a bounce, like, like a bowling ball sized bouncy ball, just going around, hitting everyone on the ice, just bouncing around end to end, hitting everything, causing chaos. But he also displayed the sick, silky smooth hands that he has on a frame like that. I think he could adjust pretty easily. And not only like we'll rave about him, but that line was so good. The Suzuki drew in Anderson line and drew in especially, I think will go less noticed because of how phenomenal Suzuki and Anderson played that game. Right. But he was he was nasty too. Got three assists. That line is gonna do some damage this year. 
Yeah, and it's it's almost crazy to think that you know Drew Ann was like the the big pickup a couple of years ago, and we're not even we're we've we've just talked about him briefly, just now, and this guy had the most uh, he had the most offensive numbers on the on a on a sheet tonight, um with with uh, three assists, three points, but you know Josh Anderson really came out and made a statement, um, and you know what. Even with Toffoli to wrap up kind of like the new guys that we got to see on the on the out here tonight, Toffoli, you know, granted didn't really get anything on the scoring sheet. Played a very a very well. I'm a little drunk. He played a really good game. He had a lot of great looks. He did have three shots on on goal, and and two of them were just you know just right there, like just needed just a little extra something to uh, find the back. And then that I don't think he played a bad game despite, you know, being on the third line. I think that line is going to prosper once they once they play a little bit more. But KK and Toffoli is going to be another – I wouldn't call it a dynastic, but it's going to be a filthy fucking line. Toffoli could have scored a few times there. He had a phenomenal mm-hmm. shot coming off the left wing that Freddie Anderson made a phenomenal save on, got a piece of it. I love his – I thought Armia was a little bit invisible tonight, I'll mm-hmm. be honest. Um, but I did notice him a little bit on the forecheck, um, not as much as we used to. And I think maybe that's because he's not our top depth scoring option anymore, if that makes sense. Um, well, yeah, I think this a- is a, this is a new realm for him. You know, it's, it's, it's finding where do you fit in this, in the spectrum anymore. Yeah, you know? definitely. And Toffoli and KK have some chemistry. They're making no look passes to each other. KK, especially, um, I think in terms of game, I don't know if you can ask for much more. I thought he played really well. I think if he plays like that 56 game or 55 for the next 55 games of the season, he's going to finish with a shit ton of points. He because... had, go Sorry? ahead. No, 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 dude, I'm just drunk. Fine. <laughs> I'm just oh. going to say, I, I like how, sorry to interject. We started this, uh, Corey texts me like, 40 minutes after the game ends and he goes uh hello where are you like, oh <laughs> shit it's wednesday i'm fucking sloshed and uh, he's like oh fuck can you record and we get on here and he's the one who keeps losing his fucking train of thought it's okay i, I might have had the train of thought but it didn't mean that i was not inebriated but uh to, to close <laughs> out what you meant on kk like um you know, just because well, was... he does, just because he didn't score tonight, doesn't change the fact that like this is like the the Brendan Gallagher of twenty, you know, twenty fifteen. Like he's gonna play nitty gritty. He had three hits tonight, two blocks. He had roughly sixteen minutes of, of play tonight, two minutes on the power play. He's gonna find those rough, those dirty, those greasy goals, and that's where he's really gonna excel. As far as the line goes, KK and TT look like they're playing. They have a chemistry already, and it just needs to to go. You know, it just needs to come full circle. We know that Armia and KK have a great chemistry. Two fins on the same line. They've they've played a bit over the years, but as soon as Toffoli blends with Armia a little bit more, I think it's I think it's another golden line. It might be one of the best third lines. You know, sneakily, sneak sneakedly, you know, making its way up the charts in the league. I don't really classify them as a third line. I think Montreal's got <laughs> we just no, got, seriously. Yeah. Montreal's got line one A, one one A, one B, 
and two. Two and realistically. then fucking three. <laughs> and I just, before we move, because I do, I want to cover every line, but talking about KK, I'm going to use a line that I heard Ray Ferraro use in the World Juniors this year. Okay. Actually, when describing, um, uh, he used it to describe Mishak, actually, and a young Slo- Slovak player who was like okay. a 16-year-old underager. Um, he said, when you're watching hockey, he says, especially the World Juniors, you know, points are deceptive. He goes, whatever player has the puck on his stick the most is probably the best player. And, you know, when you watch after that, I was watching and you realize it's always – these guys that are hyped up, they always, the guys, the scouts love always have the puck on their stick. And if you watch KK tonight, he always had the fucking puck on his stick. Even when Toronto had possession, he would just somehow end up through a four check or a broken play. KK ended the shift almost always with the puck on his stick. And he made one amazing like diving attempt to like pass the puck to Tatar that almost worked out to oh it was dirty that, <laughs> that slick no like quick tap past it to Foley for a shot behind the net he and the, just his puck possession tonight was really good he utilized his frame his height his size he's added a few extra pounds I thought to Foley not to Foley sorry KK just played a phenomenal game tonight I can agree now granted I had to watch this on my on my phone so I didn't even realize that it was KK making that diving kind of pass save. Um, <laughs> but that, that was just how hard it was to find this game in the U.S. And then let alone how much of a diehard fan I, I have to find this game. So I watched it on my phone. So be it. Um, it, was a, it was a bit small, but uh, I made it work. And uh, I like what you said about KK. Um, you know, someone that has the puck on their stick for the majority of the game, you know, it's almost like uh, he's quarterbacking whatever he can in the situation. Um, and just cause he was off the score sheet does, you know, that's far from, you know, like I don't have to tell a Habs fan, you know, to be patient with cock and the It's going to come, you know, it'll be here. So like, I don't even need to waste my breath on that. Last thing I have to say about um, the guys in this game, Nick Suzuki had the most, <laughs> fucking filthiest fucking goal like oh now granted you know like it's a tough fucking goal you don't even have an angle on that but this dude hit the bar and it just you know at that point you're just shooting for the bar you're just just hoping you know it's a 50 shot it's gonna fucking go in i don't even know it was dirty as fuck i don't even think that's the best play of the game even though he scored on it i just think it was filth i'm sorry i I, i think the filthiest thing he did like I understand Montreal got off the ice pretty fucking quick and it's probably because the Toronto police department were coming after Nick Suzuki for the murder of fucking Morgan Riley's ankles. <laughs> oh my God. And like, of course Morgan Riley scores the OT winner and that's all that they're going to remember about Morgan Riley that game. Yeah. But you got dressed. You were the former fifth overall pick longest tenured leaf leader of that team, leader of the defense, undressed by the second-year NHL player. Just 
who's five oh eleven, twenty one years old, like oh. <laughs> and if three he hits. Had a, like if he had to finish that, like early candidate for goal of the year. <laughs> All McDavid did was skate past him, and everyone freaked out about that. Nick Suzuki turned him inside out. Oh, it was that was nice to watch. And uh, before we stop discussing the lines, just I don't think we need to talk about the first line. We know what the first line can do. Even though Deneau looked like someone dropped a bunch of cement bricks into his feet on that breakaway, like he was tired. Um, I want to talk about the fourth line. And uh, specifically, um, I thought Lekkinen played well. I thought Byron played well. But let's talk about another guy in his technically in his rookie season who got overshadowed, I think, by a lot of the big additions to Foley. Anderson Romanov, another rookie. Um, Jake Evans, who I think, like, we're talking about Romanov looked like a veteran. I, I didn't see Jake Evans make one mistake on the ice, and he was trusted on the penalty kill. He won a bunch of face-offs, played very well. Um, you know, obviously, you know me, I have a fucking bias towards him. I fucking love Jake Evans, but what a nice, uh, I think it's his regular season debut. I, I can't remember right now, to be honest with you. But what a first game of the season for him. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, Jake Evans had two hits and uh, one takeaway. And for you to, to find nothing but positivity, this guy, he wasn't given much time on the ice, and he really utilized it to the best of his abilities. He got about roughly nine minutes of ice time, two minutes of that being shorthanded. Not um, all he got. Yeah, he was, he was the least as far as well, basically on the team. Um, and see, I noticed him more, like than the right rest because of that fourth line. when that fourth line was out, like he was throwing the body, he was buzzing around, he was making plays. I thought he played really fucking good. And to and to be that noticeable at only nine minutes, you know, compared to Nick Suzuki, I believe, yeah, had the second most minutes among forwards at eighteen. Um, but Evans really took the time that he was given and did the very best he could with it. Granted, he's got, he, you know, he had, a, he, he's a minus one, uh, but I, that's nothing to shame on his, on his, I guess, breakout appearance. Uh, well, you know, his first real appearance tonight, he, he was pretty impressive on the face-offs, but just with that little bit of time, that's only six minutes, you know, roughly at five on five. And, you know, he took his time and, and he utilized it well. So, I am looking forward to Jake Evans. You know, I, I was a bit bitter with him winning over uh, Paling, but, you know, if this kid can hold the fourth line together, at, you know, like that, I'm okay with it, you know? You're just bitter because I pick better prospects <laughs> than you. It's okay. <laughs> but um, do you think we're done being positive? Can we uh, look into some negatives now? Yeah, yeah. Let's go into some negatives, and then we'll close it out with just uh, some brief hab news. I know we probably should have did it in the beginning, but we were just a little too excited to talk about just the game that we just watched. But, yeah, let's let's go into Mason's uh, ref rant. Like. <laughs> My beef. Last year, as you know, my loyal listeners who listened to me before Corey joined – and who have continued listening to us since. Um, I think the quality's improved since he's joined. But you'll know I have a beef with the refs. And I think every NHL f- hardcore fan thinks the refs are fucking their team. 
And in this case, I'll be honest, the refs didn't intentionally screw over our team. Um, if you look at the records, because I always do, as a the resident <laughs> refs hater on uh, this podcast, I checked the refs record. Uh, the last three years, the Leafs are four and one, four and one, four and one with those refs. Uh, Montreal was one and three, <laughs> one and three, and two and six um, with those refs. So it's like a Chris Lee night, like you know, it, it ain't is it ain't as bad as a Chris Lee night, but there's a fucking pattern here, and I fucking noticed it. NHL officials can't hide from me, you fuckers. I check your fucking records, but. No, in this case, it was totally by accident. Uh, all the time Montreal spent in the blocks was justified, except for Nick Suzuki's uh, holding call. I thought that was a little light um, based on how the refs had been calling it, but I thought for the most part that game was officiated pretty well. I thought they should have let Ben Sherratt and Wayne Simmons fight, but that's the way the NHL is going now. I, I disagree with it, but that's the way it is. I've given them their credit now. Now I'm going to shit on them because – I should never, ever, ever, and I have said this countless fucking times, talk about a hockey game and have one of the first thoughts in my mind be the refs. I don't want to fucking notice the refs. The refs, I'm sorry, you're essential to our game, but I don't want to fucking hear about you. I don't want to know who you are. I don't want to think about you. At all. I don't want to think about you during the game. I don't want to think about you after the game. I don't want to have to look at your record before the game. And I certainly don't want to say the best pass of the game was from a fucking ref who had a puck bounce off his ass and go straight into the middle (laughs) of the slot and for an easy goal on Carey Price. That is the... My like oh and it's bad. Like last year was I think one of the worst years. Just get out of the fucking way. And if if you can't, like I understand hockey's a fast moving sport, but there should be a rule where if that happens, I like that's that cannot be a goal. And I say this as a player of many sports, even soccer, when the ref is, which is worse than soccer, keep in mind, because think about how much room you have. Mm-hmm. When the ref stops the ball, the puck, whatever, and the other team benefits from it, like, there is not a more frustrating feeling. And as a fan, I think it's almost worse to a, to an, to a certain degree. I just think that needs to be a rule change or the refs need to learn how to fucking duck. But, um, you know... I think that did contribute to Montreal's. The reason I'm not upset, like we're not mad at the Habs, is because I think the Habs did deserve to win that game. I think um, if you give up that many penalties to Toronto, you're going to get scored on. But, you know, one bounce off some fat ass ref uh, and, you know, get removed that and we're fine. We win that game. But overall, I only take positives. I just. I don't know, Corey. I don't know. What What do you think? Like, I think the NHL should implement a rule where if an incident like that happens, it blow the call, you know, blow the puck dead. So but, you want it blown dead if it plays off the body of a ref who cannot get out of the way of the play? I think if it <laughs> – I think – and it's a tough rule. That's why I'm hesitant because – for the most part, it's something they say all the time. 
If it hits the ref, it's in play, right? Mm-hmm. But there's just something that rubs me the wrong way about when you get an unlucky goal where it like takes a bad, bad bounce off the boards, you're like, ah, fuck, right? Like, but right, that happens sometimes. But when it hits the ref, you kind of, it's more of a, oh, fuck, that sucks. Get the fuck what out can the you way. do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, get the fuck out the way. That's what you can do, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I don't think, like I said, I just don't want to, I don't want to think about the refs after a hockey game. I don't want them to be a factor. The ref should never be a factor in a hockey game. And when I said, like I said, the best pass or the second best pass to Romanov is off a of ref's ass. <laughs> the who was it jimmy vc you think jimmy fucking vc the fucking plug ass shitty little ncaa bust is gonna score a goal in that game if it doesn't come off a ref's ass no so that that's my problem with it and i understand the issues and like the implications of implementing a rule but it's been something that i think i have personally been a like kind of fond of the thought of implementing something like that. And obviously this game has just pissed me off, but yeah, it's something I would like to see. Um, I think it would have to be a little bit like situational. Like you'd have to use discretion, which is tough in hockey. Cause when discretion gets used, people get pissed, but I know I, I think it'd make my life a lot happier if the refs couldn't make nice saucer passes to bottom tier Leafs players. I I guess it's fair. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough look. It's hard to combat that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how to, he's at a loss. Yeah. I don't know how to respond. I don't know how to like ease your pain. And at the same time, like, understand why that could be implemented i i know that some of these things are just like you chuck it up to it but like if you start calling shit like that then we're about to start getting instead of refs we're gonna get drones like you know like they're gonna find yeah. a way to get them out of the game um i think it's just something it's just a casualty of war when it comes to hockey but it's never great when i'm not gonna say what you said about jimmy bc but when a bottom tier NCAA a, a, bust. A, a depth Toronto Leafs player scores the most on a very- overhyped <laughs> fucking prospect Where's ever. Jimmy VC. Do you remember that? Oh, New York won the Jimmy VC. <laughs> what the fuck did you win? A fourth liner who can score some goals? Oh well. Uh, <laughs> oh my, like fuck. Oh, la- last thing about this game before we just move on to some news that we should have definitely did in the beginning. <laughs> but uh, it was really nice to see the Habs come and, um, excuse me, and have a power play that was very effective tonight. We were two for three, and they had no problem bringing up that we were 0-12 against Pittsburgh in the bubble. It was just really good to see on opening night that the Habs come out and find the back of the net on a power play. It just – it's something we needed to improve on, and you know you can't you can't base that off of one game, but one game at a time. This was a great look for for an improvement for us. Yeah, um, it just seems like our power play, like new group, new players, 
same issue every year. Um, it's something frustrating. And I think even going into this game, we went on the power play. I feel no joy when we go on the power play anymore. No. Well, it's understandable based on the past couple of years. We, and you know, last think, year we played way better at five on five than we did, you know, a man up. Yeah, definitely. We were one of the best five on five teams in the league. <laughs> and one of my main issues, like when I realized it was an issue was when team, when watching the world juniors, when team Canada would go on a power play, I would feel nothing. I would feel dread. And then they would, you know, do some crazy shit and score. And I realized like, Oh my God, like, these 17, 18, 20 year old kids are have a better power play than my fucking NHL organization. But yeah, like I think hopefully this year it's something that can be a strength for us because I think we, it will improve going into this division. Only two teams were in the top 15 for penalty killing. And so for lack of a better word, only two teams were above average at penalty killing. We're a, you know what I mean? Like, in the right. top half of the league. They weren't mm -hmm. even elite. Um, like I've said multiple times, and I'll continue to say, I think the Canadian division is going to be the highest scoring division in hockey this year. Um, for many obvious reasons, poor defense. The Sens contribute a lot to that. Um, I, they're going to be dog shit, let's be honest. They have a good chance of drafting first overall again. They're going to be really good soon, but not this year. I'm sorry. Matt Murray's in for a fucking ride. But, yeah, I think this was something to be hopeful about. Um, not much changed, though, in terms of personnel. I know it's just the way they were utilized. And you know what? That makes me happy because we've always had the players to contribute and to have success on the power play. It's just been a systematic issue, I think, for a very long time. Yeah, uh, I can I can agree with that. And. I just I just hope that we we stay on the positive uh, upward slope of of our power play, just getting just staying constant, you know, because it's we really we really need that to start going our way, especially with this all Canadian division. Granted, you know, like um, this is going to be a great year. Um, I just think that this is this is a great time for us to utilize our power play and show that it's not the dying, you know, the dying breed, the dying weight that's been holding us back. Um, from winning games now granted OT game you know win or loss you know we're going to get that point and that was something that we almost came to expect last year but hey if uh, a ref didn't bounce a pass to Jimmy VC, this was a just this was a, a a winner for us so you know and I, I mean I think even even if a ref bounced the pass to Jimmy VC, nine out of ten times it's skying over the net so it was just unlucky we were just very fortunate to have a great power play uh, this game. And I'm a fan of Jimmy VC, if you can tell. <laughs> well, let's let's move on over to Habs news before we close out. Um, this one's kind of tough to bring up, but it has to be mentioned. Um, Noah Juleson, after being placed on waivers, is like just almost immediately picked up by Florida. Um, it's tough to see it, but sadly, this is something that's going to start to come to fruition and we're going to see a lot more of it just because of our prospect pool and just in defensemen, you know, we have Jordan Harris, Struble, uh, Mateus Norlander, Caden Gooley, Josh Brook. And then we just placed, um, Oh, what, who was it? Olafson. Was it Olafson? And, um, we placed Ulet, Ulet and Jules, um, not Olsen. 
Yeah, I have strong opinions about this. Um, if you're not aware, um, fuck, I can't think of the names right now. One of Montreal's, I believe, assistant GMs and one of our scouting department recently moved to Florida. So if you're wondering why would Florida pick up a guy who is not played hockey basically in two years, he's played a handful of games. It's because they drafted him. They know how good Juleson can be. They know how good he was when he played. They were with the organization a year ago. If any team was going to pick him up, Florida makes perfect sense. And does that piss me off less? No, I think it pisses me off more because, you know, these guys have an insight. They, they understand how good he was. Um, clearly the Habs didn't want to lose Juleson. I think I was shocked. I didn't know he had to go through waivers to get to the taxi squad to start, which I didn't know until players started clearing maybe. And I talked to you, I said, maybe that's a lapse in my judgment, but I thought the taxi squad was for COVID. So you didn't have to do waivers, but I don't know. Maybe I was just wrong about that. I think like, obviously it sucks, but in the end, um, like you said, we have a very deep prospect pool. I think Juleson battling injuries and battling a very, very strong and developed uh, prospect pool for Montreal was continually getting pushed down the lineup, finding it hard to get an opportunity. I think a team like Florida is going to be beneficial to him. And if he is to stay with them and not go through waivers, which if he does, Montreal has first claim to him. So we could reclaim him but it's looking like he's going to start on their 22 man roster, which means he'll be in the NHL. He'll get a chance to prove himself. And in the end, this is a guy who Mark Bergevin said this year, seriously considered retiring from hockey, like his vision issues had like just a crippling issue to the head. Um, the fact that he's persevered and only kind of buried under a tough Montreal defense core, I think is a shame. And if he can get a chance at Florida, play and hopefully reach his potential as a top four defenseman. you know what i wish him the best because he seems like a good kid he's worked his ass off and he deserves a shot in the limelight yeah um i 100 agree with that it, it's a, it's tough to be injured like that and then you know like to go through the mental issues of it as well but he will get his chance with florida you know everybody can can bat, brag and i mean not brag just just drag florida through the mud but you know, like he's going to get a chance to be mentored by like a Keith Yandel. Um, I think that's going to be a great look for him. He's going to get a lot of minutes, you know, the just sulk. like, yeah, the sunk man, just, just like Kotkin Niemi when he first went to Laval, our hopes were, were high because he immediately said it's, it's going to give him more ice time, more chances to play, more chances to get better. That's something that Juleson's just going to, is going to go through and, it just it's just sad for us because that was somebody that we were looking forward to bringing up and having a successful career with us. But unfortunately, it's something we're going to see become far too common just because of our, our depth pool. Um, another thing, and I feel like we could have utilized uh, one of these guys tonight, um, but on Monday, Bergevin um, placed uh, Corey Perry and Michael Froelich on waivers. Uh, finalize, you know, we finalized our roster with that, but they both signs a one-year deal at uh, at seven five. Um, I just think it's a tough break for Corey Perry, uh, considering that all of the mentions about him in training camp were, uh, you know, quoted immediate immediately impactful, 
you know, we know what Corey Perry would have brought to this team uh, and brought it into training camp. He played alongside Gallagher before. You uh, wanna... I, I, I just think it was tough. I think the problem was the problem is, is that he would have had to go on the fourth and it's hard to give up Byron. Byron's someone who's going to, who has the A, like you said before, a lot of people forget that. And I don't think this team is ready to give up on Lekkonen. So where does Corey Perry fit? You know, he's not going to, you're not going to move him first, 1A, 1B, 2. So it would have had to be somewhere on the fourth. So do you get rid of Byron, who, you know, is just a lovable fucking guy, plays his heart out, or, you know, someone we're not ready to, to give up on? I think it's just a tough. It's a tough. What I will what I will say is, take this as a take. I don't think it's a hot take. Corey Perry's going to play for Montreal within the next week and a half. I fucking hope so because I think he'll suit up. I really do. And look tonight, just just non hot take. We we outran uh, the Leafs tonight, thirty two to fourteen in hits. Um, and I don't think that Corey Perry would have been a, a massive hit contributor. You know, he's not like a, a Petrie. But the tenacity that he brings, we could have got an extra power play. We could have got a second one. You know, granted, like, you know, there's also the ying to that yang. He could have gave gave them a power play, which is just as common. But just as if his aggressive nature could have really swung this game in a game that was very tight like this, like, there was moments where Toronto was on their heels and wasn't sure. Someone like Corey Perry, the, the famous agitator, could have really been used effectively in that moment, you know. Yeah, and granted, and he's second, an offensive monster still. Yeah, and the second part of what I was bringing to the Corey Perry when I said he'll play, keep in mind, too, I don't know if you saw this rumor, Corey Perry – chose Montreal he was very specific and very like particular in where he wanted to go he was a Montreal Canadiens fan as a child he signed here for league minimum you're telling me Corey Perry couldn't have stayed in Anaheim or somewhere sunny and retired for 750 Corey Perry could have gone anywhere like realistically I'm sure there were some teams that were out the Sens probably don't want a Corey Perry but most teams probably would have taken him. He chose Montreal. And when he went down on waiver wire, a lot of people were scared. Like, oh my God, we're gone. You know, we're going to lose Perry. I, what I was, what I've been hearing through the Twitterverse and through hockey, hockey minds is that if Corey Perry was picked up, I think the threat was I'm going to retire. Like this is a guy who wants to play with Montreal he made it known, don't fucking pick me up, or else I think a team would have picked him up because I'm not going to play for you. So with that mentality, I think if he thought he wasn't playing in Montreal pretty soon and as an impact player, I don't think he would have you know, put that memo out. I don't think he would have signed here. So I think we see Corey Perry very shortly. And like you said, he can contribute in a bunch of ways. He can hit he can score he can provide that that veteran leadership i just think uh we're gonna see Corey perry sooner than later well i fucking hope so you know and god forbid we don't go through uh a paul byron injury again but it might take something like that to to, to utilize Corey perry 
and hopefully he stays on this taxi, this taxi squad. I don't even think it will. I think Julian will just mix it up. This is a pretty fluid team. And like they said, they're, I don't know if you heard on the TSM or not the TSM, the Sportsnet broadcast. And I've read from Bergeron before. This is a team he constructed that's made to play against anyone. So do you want to play fast? They can play fast. Say we play a team like Winnipeg. They want to throw the body. I think we might see a guy like Corey Perry and Michael Froelich in the lineup who are going to throw the body, right? Right. So I think it's all situational with Montreal. I think their lineup is going to, especially the fourth, I think it's going to change. I uh, I think Evans is a lock at center. Uh, someone's going to have to go down or Paling's really going to have to prove himself. Um, I do think Paling will at some point get a chance because let's be realistic. There's going to be an opening in the lineup eventually this year, but yeah, it's, I think those guys change dependent on the speed of the game and the physicality of the game. I think in a more physical game, Corey Perry is going to be there and he's going to make an impact. Well, fuck yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> so like <laughs> it might be, that might just be me being drunk and just being like super, super excited about, you know, the outcome of what you said. But, um, I just think that like he could make a genuine impact to this team and and I hope we give him his shot. I think he's a, a phenomenal player. Uh and he can be a fucking scumbag. I hated him for what he did to Ryan Ellis last year. But like that's his rock that's his role. And at the same time, like you you catch him in a great look, he's gonna fucking find the back of the net. Like he's just filthy on both ends of the spectrum, you know. Um and I just want to see him utilized on this team. And Mark Vergevan knows what he's doing. And we just got to let the dices roll and see where see what happens and see where he gets brought in. But um, this has been roughly that, a long episode. <laughs> it's turned into a long fucking episode, um, about an hour. And I'll be honest, I kind of just want to pack a few more Bud Lights down and watch the uh, end of the, the Avs versus St. Louis. So... I think that's probably going to end her here unless you got something to say, bud. I've got nothing to say. I, there's just positivity. There's a new look to this team. And if you couldn't see it in this, you know, this one game, then you weren't, you weren't watching it from Montreal and um, shit. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys know the deal. Follow us on Twitter at Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. And like Corey said, us on Twitter and check out our new fucking promotion with DraftKings and you can win a free Montreal Canadiens jersey so check us out at Bayou Banners at Hab Stanley we've got the link and you guys stay classy and have a good night you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet new episodes every Monday and Thursday download at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.